Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. my wardrobe to summer even though Calgary might be in sprinter and I am living with that uh, I, I just want to I have to do a little bit of family business we've had a wedding this weekend we've had babies this weekend and so we want to give a shout out uh, to Cornelia McKenzie and Brian Webb who got married yesterday hooray for people getting married and we want to give a shout out to Alicia and Luke Tonjas who had another baby girl and so awesome mom and baby are good um, I want to talk this morning, we're going to continue in our series on the Holy Spirit, and um, I, I want to talk to you about um, a passage from 1 Corinthians that is, uh, is kind of one of those passages that a lot of us, we get to it in our devotional life, and then we practice speed reading. Do you know what I mean? We kind of like go, oh, I'm on that passage. Okay. Well, that was powerful. Okay, I had no idea what that meant, so we'll just go to the next chapter. So I, I want to talk about that, but before we get there, I want to start by laying the premise that as a people of God, we believe that God still speaks to us. And we know this because uh, his word tells us that, that he is a God who speaks. He is a God who not only speaks to us from his word, although uh, hear me when I'm saying this, we believe that the primary way that God, and most often the way that God speaks to us is through his word. And many of you will know this because in times of need, when you've had a, a difficulty, you get to God's word and you think, ah, that's exactly, how many of you had an experience like that? Like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God for his word. But we also know that God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, through that small, uh, quiet voice generally. I used to think it was going to be a big, loud voice. Like, like when I wasn't married, I thought God would say, this is the man for you. He didn't say that. Instead, Dave said that. I am the man for you. And that's a whole other story that we will not get into right now. But um, Genesis to Revelation, there's a couple of verses I just want to read quickly. So Gen Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18 says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. This idea that from the beginning, God put his words into people's mouths. Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you are to turn to the right or to the left. I can remember my mom quoting this scripture to me all my life. That you never have to walk alone because there's going to be a word from God behind you. And, and sometimes that was also my mom uh, or my dad. A lot of fear, that not fear, just, you know, holy fear. <laughs> but God puts his, his word into us. Jeremiah 33, 3, ask me and I will tell you things that you don't know and can't find out. That's a good word for some of you who are in a time of decision and in a time of confusion. God says, ask me and I'll tell you. Some of you, you don't know what to do, but you don't know what to do because you haven't asked God yet. So ask him. And then some of you are saying, well, that was the Old Testament 
And that wasn't the New Testament. And, but unfortunately, for those of you living there, the New Testament is almost it's just as bad. Because John chapter 12, Jesus is talking and he says, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I want to carken your theology just for a minute. We're going to be theological nerds for a minute. We believe Jesus was fully God, but that he was also fully man. Okay? So now sometimes when we're reading about Jesus, we think, oh, that was just Jesus because he was Jesus. He was God. But yes, recall that Jesus laid down his godhood and stepped fully into manhood. And so when he heard the voice of God telling him that, that tells us something profoundly uh, true for us today, that we also can hear the words of God. Uh, Jesus actually said this out loud in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Now, we hear God's voice in many different ways. We hear it through his word. We talked about that. Sometimes um, somebody in your life is going to be a really important messenger of, of God's words to you. And I, I, I say this emphatically, and I, I do think that this is something that's not well developed in our... You've got to get friends around you. You have to have strong friends that are going to be hearing God's voice for you. Because there are, how many of you have had times in your life where you just, you can't hear like you're too tired, and you're too exhausted, and you're too worn down, and you feel like you can't make it. And so you've got to have friends that are hearing God's voice for you. But my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. And they hear me, and they do what I say, and, they, and I know them, and they follow me. In John 16, 13, he's talking to the disciples and talking about how he's going to go away. And he says, the Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He will tell you only what he has heard from me, and he will let you know what's going to happen. This is very, Jesus is very plainly saying, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And so as a people, we believe that God is still speaking. He's still on the move. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This is from Joel chapter 2, and then re-spoken uh, in Acts chapter 2. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. We believe that God has the ability, number one, the ability and desire to speak to people. And that didn't end with the introduction of the Bible. And here's, this is the good part for all of us that don't feel very spiritual often. This is the good news for me, uh, that God is no respecter of people. So he didn't get up in the morning and go, well, you sang that last song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here very beautifully. I'm giving you a word today. And... Uh, See, you people, balcony people, you're up in the balcony. I uh, know nothing for you. God's not like that. He sees us all. We believe in a flat kingdom. There are no fancy people. There are no uh, hyper-spiritual people, people that have had it together longer than others. Maybe this is your first time in church in a long time. I want to say God can speak to you as much as he can speak to me today. We don't make a, it's not like you've got to build your runway for like three years and then, you know, do you ever wonder this about construction on highways? I just need to get this out of my system right now because they're telling us not to go on Crow Child for like nine years. Like just stay away from Crow Child. But that's not possible when you live in a city where you've got to go places. And some of us, we treat our spiritual lives like that though, like we're Crow Child. And we're going to be under construction for nine years. So in nine years, please check back with me. Perhaps God will use me. I, I, I want to speak to you emphatically that scripture doesn't lay out things like that. God actually says, you are chosen. You're called according to my, I, 
I put my, mouth, my words in you, and if we'll speak them out. Okay, so now we're going to get to the passage that you have often skipped, and I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to look at the time, and I'm going to read fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter, it comes right after that really beautiful, easy to understand love chapter. And then you get to the 14. And usually you try to read these together normally. At least this is what I would do. I'd read them together because the love chapter you can really stay and meditate on for a long time. And then you can have a quick time in 14. But today we're going to look at it. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to man but to God. For no one understands him, although in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification and exhortation and comfort. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I desire that you all speak in tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you by revelation or knowledge or prophesying or doctrine? Even when things without life give sound, whether the flute or the harp, how will it be known what is being played unless I give a distinction in the sound? If the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for the battle? So also you, unless with the tongue you speak words to easy, under, easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of speech, I shall be a barbarian to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So seeing that you are zealous of spiritual gifts, Seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Now, this little section that I just read for the last, what happens to us is our brains kind of go, I don't know what you're talking about right now, Paul. Please, come on. You're like long-winded in this chapter. Don't feel bad. If, listen, at, part, at Journey Church, part of the, what we want to be able to be is honest about things. So instead of going, yes, I am feeling that right here. We can go, that's weird. What is he talking about right there? That's okay for us to do that. Okay, so now he goes on. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if he prays in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, when you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of un the unlearned say amen? At your giving thanks, seeing that he doesn't understand what you're saying. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brothers, don't be children in your thinking. Rather be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, with the men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, but even they will not hear me, says the Lord. So tongues are for a sign, not, not to believers. But to unbelievers, growing up, that was the weirdest verse, I think, for me in the entire Bible. Tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. Anybody else ever read that and gone? I think there's a typo there. Okay, we're going to keep going. But prophesying does not serve unbelievers, but believers. Therefore, if the whole church assembles in one place and all speak with tongues, and those who are unlearned or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and there comes in one who does not believe or are unlearned, he is convinced by all and judged by all. Thus the secrets of the heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Okay, let me give you a little bit of context for this chapter. Paul is writing a, a letter to the Corinthian church that was wild. Okay, so like, 
wild and a hot mess. They were a hot mess in a number of different ways. You had people that were doing like all sorts of immoral things. And, and then also their church services were like out of control. Okay, so if you were to come into the Corinthian, Corinthian church, historians tell us that people were like standing up and just speaking in tongues, like rando. Like rando, when, the, when it went a bit quiet, people were just speaking in tongues. And um, so if you're a controlling, if you're a person who likes control here, that makes you itchy just even thinking about that, right? Because I just, I can feel it right now. The feeling of like, oh my word, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I know that at this point, had I been the pastor of that church, I'd be looking at Dave saying, Dave, right now you are the pastor of the, I am, I'm, I've resigned. I have resigned in this moment. I am done. You can control this now. Okay, so Paul comes with this um, big discussion to the Corinthian church telling them, hey, hey, your wildness, we gotta, we gotta, we got to bring it in line. Now, many people don't read knowing the historical background of it. They just think, well, it sounds to me like Paul was like really just mostly against tongues. He was mad about it. And so tongues is over. And a lot of us are like, whoa, I'm so glad. But actually, when we look at this verse, this is not what this chapter is saying at all. So I want to unpack a few things that the chapter is saying. Okay, so the first thing Paul says that I think is really important for us to get here, after he says, listen, you can't all just be wild and be speaking in tongues, like trying to have a message because nobody knows what you're saying. But what he does say is this, is that the gift of tongues is an important part of our spiritual strengthening. Uh, it, It is. Uh, he says in verse 5, I desire that you all speak in tongues. Now, I want you to hear what, what he's not saying. He does not say this. And those of you that don't speak in tongues, you're like a little less than. I want you to know that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't get a spiritual star. Paul doesn't say that in all, at all. In fact, when you look at how the Greek is constructed in this m- message, what, what he's basically saying is like, hey, it would be so awesome. I, I think it would be so odd. This has been such a good gift for me. It would be great if you all spoke in tongues. I, I pray you all do. And then he says, um, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He says that. That sounds a bit cocky, doesn't it? Like, I'm way more happy. But you know what I think it is? I, I got to tell you this about myself. I'm really happy. You all are really happy that God's given me the gift. Because I know the hot mess that I am. I was laying in bed last night thinking, so weird that God has chosen me to do this because I know myself. I, I, I just, like, I'm in awe of the fact that here I am, and I haven't fallen yet on the stage. That's why I refrain from wearing heels. Uh, but, but, like, listen, Paul's not being cocky here. He's saying, I know what I came from. I'm so thankful for the gift of tongues that edifies, that edifies me. And then um, in verse 4, he says, uh, he who speaks, and now he says, I think sometimes this gets lost in, the, in this chapter because we, all we hear him saying is, stop jumping up and speaking and t- stop that. But we, what we lose is that in verse 4 he says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now the gift of tongues was, was given to the church in Acts chapter 2. If you read Acts chapter 2, you'll read, we don't have time to read it this morning, but if you read it, the disciples went and they waited in this hot room. I don't know if it was hot, but I'm assuming a lot of people in little room gross. So they waited there for 40 days. That was before the invention of Febreze, people. Woo! And tongues of fire came on uh, them, and they spoke in other tongues. Now, we would say, uh, uh, as, a, as a theologian, 
I would say this, that when we see things happening once in the Bible, we don't try to replicate those, okay? So one of the prophets laid naked on the road. We don't try to go, I think that's what we should all do. But when things happen over and over and over again, then we begin to think, okay, this, this could be something that wasn't just a one-time event, but actually a gift that God was giving to us. And so then you see in Acts chapter 13 and in Acts chapter 18, uh, in many passages throughout Acts, many of the disciples and just Christians speak in tongues. In fact, in, in one chapter in the book of Acts, Paul, uh, Peter comes to a bunch of Christians and he says, hey, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you speak in tongues? And they said, no, we've just been baptized with water. So, so we know theologically they're Christians. They love God. They're following Jesus. And then he says, well, like, could I lay hands on you? Do, do you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? And these Christians, sure. We don't even know what you're talking about. Great. And Peter lays hands on them, and they begin to speak in other tongues. So we know when we deconstruct the book of Acts, uh, what it would seem like is that the gift of tongues is a gift. And Paul reiterates this in 2 Corinthians. Let me just... Um, stop here for a moment and just tell you this. Some of you are from, we, we've got a church full of all kinds of traditions, and I think that's just an awesome thing. I, I think at Journey Church, we, we want to be the kind of church where we're not saying, everyone must believe the following 95 things if you are going to, do you like my robot voice? I didn't practice that. Thank you. I can't do accents at all, but I can do robot voice. <laughs> okay, so the our church is not a church where you have to, like, line, check off every box. Some of you are from traditions where this is, like, brand new and weird. And also, maybe you grew up in a tradition where, like, even the idea of tongues is heresy. What I don't want to say to you this morning is if you don't speak in tongues, you're less than or you're not welcome. If you disagree with me on this, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that emphatically. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there's lots of different people with lots of different views. I'm saying this has been my experience. This is how I have read the scripture. When I look at Acts, I think, yeah. And I, and I also am a believer in this. I want all that God has for me. I just don't want some of it. I, I don't want to get the end of my life and go, oh, I could have I lived with this gift. I, I want to be open to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit so long as they live in the bounds of scripture. So Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. He who speaks in a tongue, unknown tongue, edifies himself. And I, this is where I was going until I rabbit trailed. Uh, I know from my own life there are times, and maybe you've experienced this before, where you're praying for something, and then you just, like, run out of words. You just, like, don't even know what to say anymore. Like, like I, don't, I don't know, God. Like, please, would you, I, I, I run out of words. And that is saying something for me <laughs> to run out of words. Dave, amens that. Um, this is what the gift of tongues is for. When you run out of words, you edify your own spirit. When I've run out of words to say, then I just begin to pray in my heavenly language. And I can tell you this, that there have been really hard seasons in my life where I don't know what I would do. I am so thankful for the gift of tongues that God has been able to um, give me that. And I, I don't believe, he, like we started off saying, I don't believe he's a respecter of persons. He doesn't like look at me and go, Wow, I like your nice white shoes. You get to speak in the gift of tongues. Gift for you, not for you. Gift for you, not I, God's not like that. We see that nowhere in Scripture. And so I, I just think it's a gift for all of us. But let me just transition now because this chapter actually isn't about the gift of tongues. The people, the Corinthians were wild about the gift of tongues. They loved it. They loved it, in fact, so much that they forgot about all the other gifts. 
And this is where Paul brings a little bit of correction. I don't know that we're, we're not the Corinthian church that way. Most of us, I, I had a few friends I was talking to about this message, and they were like, you're, you're actually going to out loud talk about the gift of tongues at church? Yep. I had one friend that said to me, that's kind of weird. Do you think people will leave your church? I hope not. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a scripture. But, but Paul is talking to a bunch of people that are not like Canadians. They're wild about the gift of tongues. Love it. Just love it. They're, they're so excited about it, in fact, that they're out of order. Out of order. And he says this, this very interesting thing. I mean, I'm happy you preach, you speak in tongues. It's great. Wonderful. Good for you. If you're here and you don't speak in tongues, hey, well, let's just, after the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive that gift. But he says, I'm happy you speak in tongues. But I wish more than anything that you all would prophesy. Okay, now. When many of us read that, we think, oh, <laughs> no, you're not talking to me because I am not going to be one of those prophesier kind of people because I don't know what image you get like, but when you hear the word, I desire for you all to be prophets, what do you think of? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I, and I have a picture of us all wearing robes and sandals and also being weird. <laughs> And really, since junior high, it's been a really big fear of mine not to be weird. I know some of you think I have not succeeded in this. But okay, so this is where this chapter makes me nervous. But I think some of us, we, we actually had the wrong idea of what prophecy was. You see, what Paul tells us in this chapter is that tongues is inward. It's to build up your spirit, man, when you don't know what to say. But what prophecy is, it's outward. And, and I think part of the reason lots of us don't like prophecies, because most of us, we're not really comfortable being outward. I, I want to give you a really simple definition of prophecy that I think is going to help some of you this morning. Prophecy is just this. It's not, it's not King James Version. It's not wearing robes. It's not being weird. Prophecy is this. Hearing from God, which we already established we can do, yes, and then communicating what we hear outwards. Hearing from God and then communicating what we hear from God outwards. Okay, so now, with this definition of prophecy, prophecy is not one thing. It doesn't look just one way. Prophecy could be praying with a neighbor. Because you get up that morning and get a little prompting from the Holy Spirit, hey, I think your neighbor might be going through a hard time, and you go over and pray for them. Hearing from God, and then communicating what we hear outwards. It could be social justice. So, uh... Phil and Jackie, are they here this morning? I don't think so. But as I got up this morning, I was thinking, Phil and Jackie are prophets in the city of Calgary because they've heard from God to help people who are broken, help women who have been sexually exploited. They've heard that from the Lord, and then they're communicating it outwards. They're prophets. You can tell that to Phil. It'll really freak him out. If you know him, tell him that. <laughs> Call him up. Like, I want a lot of Facebook comments this week. <laughs> Phil the prophet, yes. It can look as simple. Listen. Prophecy can look as simple as an act of kindness. Do you see how we mystify things? But, but when we really break it down, this is what being naturally supernatural is about. And it can look like a word for somebody. It can look like, a, like I was praying for you this week and I just felt this. I'm not sure if this resonates. I could be wrong. It can look like that too. It can look like an act of faith. Like, 
when our family moved here from Ontario, I, I, I felt like in some ways we had heard the Lord. And so then we had to make a public declaration of moving here. Marissa, when you guys moved here from warm Atlanta to warm Calgary, please pray for her and her blood that it would thicken. Okay, so if we're going to be faithful to Scripture, because that's what we want to be. We want to be a congregation of people that are faithful to Scripture. And, and we're going to desire the gift of prophecy. Um, then the question is, how do we actually do Why don't we do this more often? Like, why do none of us read that and go, yes, I'm desiring the gift of prophecy. I, uh, sort of. I think there's a couple reasons for it. We're going to talk about them. First one is that we don't see ourselves as sons and daughters. We don't see ourselves as God's sheep. So in some ways, we're practical uh, agnostics. We believe that there's a God somewhere, but he isn't really going to talk to us. He's not really interested. In, and so we, we live like we're practical agnostics. I, I would say that when we don't live with the spirit of prophecy, spirit of hearing from God, communicating it outwards, what we're saying is, God, I don't know. Am I really one of yours? you can hear my voice today, if you're in this room today, you're alive and breathing, I, I believe God's called every single one of us to be one of his children, to accept him, to embrace him. And if you're one of his kids, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, second reason I think we don't often hear from God is we don't expect to. So it's the heresy of sanitizing biblical figures, and we make them more godlike. It's heresy. When, when we read about Moses and say, well, of course Moses had a burning bush presentation. He was Moses. Of course Paul heard from God. He was Paul. It's the heresy of sanitizing biblical characters and making them as though they were God. That was never the point of the word of God. It was never the point of the passage. Listen, Moses was a person. Deborah was a person. Paul was a person just like you and I, and he had problems, and I'm sure he was annoying, not like you, like me. Okay, so we don't, we don't want to get into sanitizing. If God can speak to Abraham, God can speak to you. If God can speak through Peter, God can speak through you. So here's some other ones, unforgiveness. Uh, when we get unforgiveness in our life, the scripture is very clear that we can no longer hear from God. Some of us are, har are harboring unforgiveness, and I mean, I, I've talked about this at length before, but just let me say this again. If you're harboring unforgiveness, sometimes you must just will yourself to say, I forgive you in Jesus' name, and you say it with gritted teeth, and you don't feel like it. Your feelings cannot be the litmus test for whether you're going to forgive somebody or not. You might not feel like it, and you might say, I forgive you, and still in your heart not feel very forgiving, but by the declaration of your mouth, your, your, the declaration of your mouth will begin to set you free. Uh, disobedience. Some of us are walking in disobedience, and we know that. Because don't you know when you're walking in disobedience? I, I can let me just tell you this. I can remember being probably about uh, I was a teenager, so I don't know how old I was, but somewhere in my teen. And I was dating this guy. Now, believe me, I don't have any theology of the one. Okay, so if you're single here, we can talk about that. I believe in the ministry of treat it like a job. If you're single, you want to get a man or a woman, treat it like a job. Just the same way you would try to go out and get a job. You wouldn't lay on your couch and say, God, bring me a job. Okay? That was for free. I have a whole theology. I'm going to write a book on this someday. I, 
I'm, I feel very strongly about it. If you disagree with my theology, I, we can have a discussion af not after this, sometime this week. Okay, because I might cry. I've already told you that. <laughs> okay, but but um, this idea uh, when I was I was a teenager, I was dating some this guy, and I knew that it wasn't right, and I could oh I could feel I knew I knew I was one of his sheep, and I knew his voice, and I didn't want to listen. So I just thought, well, that, that's not God. Something I've made up, pizza and things. And I went about living my life for a number of months, but I knew. And I knew that the Holy Spirit, like, if you're going to deny this voice, you're basically denying me. I remember getting in my bed at night and feeling the fear of God. We know, listen, if you're a child of God, you know when you've been in disobedience. If you're in disobedience, get out of disobedience. It is never too late to turn a U-turn. And some of us, we can't live like we're prophets, and we can't live in prophecy because uh, we've been disobedient. We're running the wrong way. Uh, this is the other thing. I think we're often worried about getting it wrong. So, like, my greatest fear as a pastor would be that I would have, like, what I, like, I feel the Lord saying something, and I'd say, hey, do you feel this in your life? And no. I don't at all. You are wrong. You know what they say about prophets in the Old Testament? Stone them. <laughs> okay, so there's all this, all this kind of millennial research that says, uh, research on, um, Millennials who are not actually young anymore, who are basically right in the center. Of, it says that uh, what we don't like, I, I'm putting myself in there. I don't actually fit into the category, but I'm wearing white shoes, so I'll be in the category today. <laughs> I don't know why my white shoes. Anyways, uh, it says that most of us, and I think this is probably true of all of us, we're not, we don't really like to be wrong because we're not very teachable. Huh. So, like, we never want to take a risk because, like, if we're wrong and someone's got to say to us we're wrong, whoo, that's going to hurt the ego too much. So instead, we live a life of no risk. We live a life of no adventure. And we wonder why our kids say, I don't know about this Christianity. It seems kind of boring to me. I want to call us back to, like, being teachable with one another. That, like, when I'm feeling something and it's weird and I say, hey, that's, you say to me, that's a bit weird what you're doing there. And I go, oh, okay, let's work that out together. We, we must be teachable. This is the crux of the New Testament, that they were working out all kinds of things. That's why Paul was like perpetually writing these letters to be like, hey, you got it wrong. But notice how he didn't say, hey, you got it wrong, quit. Hey, you got it wrong, stop seeking out the spiritual gifts. Hey, you, got, you were too wild there, so now what you should just do is give everybody uh, straight jacket when they come to church everybody shouldn't move or breathe and that will be the end but that's what we've done we've gotten a bit worried i want to call us back to being brave to being brave and to being brave with one another to have confidence with one another that when i speak truth to you and you speak truth to me we're not going to shrivel up because the spirit of god lives inside of us and finally I, i'm going to ask the band to come we don't we don't really know uh, what we're listening for. So I think sometimes we're looking for something very dramatic. Like, if I get alone in my prayer time, when I was a young adult and I had my first, well, my first kind of real apartment, it was, um, we had this little closet downstairs in the basement in our apartment, and I thought I would transform it into a prayer closet, because at this time I was reading all these, uh, these people that had prayed for like 12 hours a day, and I remember men coming into, um, speaking at revival meetings saying, see these jeans? I have worn holes in my jeans.
because I prayed for so long, and I remember, this is before, like, jeans with holes were in style, and um, so I had this, like, whole prayer closet, and I put maps up on the walls. I had strings. I don't know, like, really what the strings were going to, like, people's faces. It just was so I looked eccentric, I guess. I spent a lot of time, like, putting scriptures up on the wall, and I'm making beautiful handwriting, and Oh man, like once I had put blood, sweat, and tears into this prayer closet. This is even before the movie, The Prayer Room. There were also mice inhabiting my prayer closet, so I was praying those out. But I expected when I went into this prayer closet that like God was going to come. Now God did come. But he didn't, like I remember being very disappointed after my first prayer time didn't tell anybody this but it was like an hour of I square with you it was kind of boring uh, I, I prayed and like God didn't say Jessica he didn't give me any big instructions he didn't I actually remember this one thing as I was praying I, I just like and I, I can look back on it now and think yeah that was God telling me to clean the kitchen seriously I wanted something like take over the world, do a tent meeting, pray for people in wheelchairs. Like I, I wanted something like, and all I got was like, hey, I should, and I thought it was just like me nagging, like me nagging, my, I should go clean the kitchen. But I realized now I had two roommates that were annoyed because I was messy. And that was a prophetic act to them, really. Because it was me hearing the voice of God and then communicating outward what I heard. Your level of spirituality is not connected to the fireworks. Your level of spirituality is connected to your obedience. How obedient as a community are we willing to be? So I, like Paul, I echo his words today and say, I, I pray that, I pray that y'all speak in tongues, sure. But more than that, I pray that we'd be prophets. I pray that we'd be an army of prophets that would hear the voice of God and that we'd communicate outward what that was and in the end this is what Paul's saying in the end that's what the world's looking for they're, they're not look the world is not all like I hope people they're not looking for um, weird they're looking for ob- obedient because obedience always brings fruit with it some of you have read this passage before and maybe you've thought I just I'm glad Paul got things in line so that we could be in line now. (laughs) And I'm glad he did. I'm glad it called us to have order, believe me. I told you this when we started this series on the Holy Spirit, that we're not looking, we're not looking, we're not inviting the Holy Spirit, please let us be wild, and so nobody can understand us. We're not looking for that at all. We're looking to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because he's still speaking, and we're looking to be obedient. This morning, I'm gonna call the prayer team forward. So how how do you hear God? You ask. God, would you speak to me? And then you look. And I say this to my kids. I told you that I do this with my kids every night for all of their lives. Every night when we put them to bed, um, uh, I sing my 80s songs. They sing them now too. And then we pray. And then we have a moment. God, would you just speak to us? We're listening. Because some of it is just training yourself to hear God's voice. And some of it is not uh, fancy. And so, you know, like a lot of nights, it's 
We have to do training and keep them teachable. Yeah, just, just come along the front. That's good. But lots of nights, they hear profound things. So we ask and we look. Sometimes I'll say this. Some of you who are visual, God uses how we are. God will show you a picture. Those of us that are auditory in nature, hey, you, might, you might hear something in your spirit or in your heart. But some of you, God, God, God may jog your memory to a scripture. Some of you who are visual artists maybe get a picture of beauty that God shows you. And, and that's a really beautiful thing when someone says, hey, I was praying for you and God just gave me this picture. Does this resonate with you at all? And then we're going to be gracious with one another because prophecy is for the church. Right? That's, that's why it's safe. Because Glenda, I can have a word for you. And if it's weird, you can just go, hey, that's weird. And we can go, okay, weird. Little Caesars did me in last night. <laughs> Because we're a family here. We're a family. We're not just a rando group of like YMCAers. We're a family. Maybe you're here though this morning and you'd say, yeah, I, I want more of God. Maybe some of you are here, you don't have the gift of tongues. You'd, you'd like to have that gift. I wanna we want to pray for you this morning, just like they did in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 18. We, we want to just pray that God will do that. You know, the scriptural um, pattern that's laid out for us is that they lay hands on people. That's not um, because Gwen is magical. You're magical and like kind of like a person, you're lovely, but not, but it's because we believe the spirit of God resides in Gwen as he resides in you. And so it's not because we believe that there's anything, but there's, I, God is a full body, God, like spirit, soul, body. So we believe in the embodiment of the gospel. So I'm gonna ask you just to stand to your feet this morning. Maybe you are here and you're like, I don't know where I showed up to, like Neptune today. And you've maybe never uh, made even a decision to know Jesus. I believe that Jesus is here today. Oh, he, he wants to know you. He's not condemning you. He hasn't made a list of all your 97,000 sins, if you're me, 5 billion. He just says, welcome home, come home. I want to know you. And I, I believe that James tells us, the book of James says that if we take a step to Jesus, that he comes running to us, that he comes to us. So if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today's the day. Today's your day. Maybe you're here you don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've never spoken in other tongues, but you'd like to, to have that today. All these wonderful people here want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, uh, when the band begins to play, would you just come? Some of you, uh, some others of you, I I'm praying that God's going to put a desire in you to prophesy that we would be a company of prophets, that we would hear the voice of God and then communicate outwards what he wants us to do. God, I just thank you for every person that's here today. I pray that faith would arise in our hearts now to believe you for more, God. Holy Spirit, we're asking you for a visitation of your presence like we have not known individually. Would you stir up a well in our souls, God? God, I just pray... Um, I pray against condemnation right now. Those people that are feeling shame and condemnation like they're not enough. God, I thank you that, it's, that you're no respecter of persons, but that you freely give your gifts. And so God, I just pray that you bless every person here. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, the worship team's gonna sing just for a minute. Can we just take one minute? We got about four minutes left. Can we just take some minutes now? We're not in a rush. This is gonna be your dismissal. If you've gotta go, we dismiss you to go. 
if you want prayer this morning, if you just want to stay and just take a few moments to hear from God, uh, go ahead and do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.